second to last spring championship is baseball. Baseball's played in spring. It's tempting to say it is our longest running championship. It is for consecutive days, but we do have sport of basketball has six days. We just split it up into two weekends. And baseball has six days. So Doug Fessler, Assistant Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. You are in charge of baseball. I am. And you're going to talk to us today a little bit about our spring championships in Ozark, Missouri. U.S. Ballpark, Ozark, Missouri. This will be our third year, I believe, down in Ozark. And a wonderful complex. Great part of Missouri to host a a baseball championship. And... uh, you know, knock on wood, we've had fairly good weather during that week, just some light rain on a couple of the days, and so it's a good place to be uh, at the end of May, 1st of June. Is there turf on that field at all? Absolutely, 100%. So the turf, infield, outfield, bases, the, the entire structure is turf, and, and it makes it very nice for the players and coaches. Okay. How many baseball schools do we have? How many classes do we have? How big is baseball in Missouri? Baseball is huge. It's one of our largest participated sports. Over 500 schools, or nearly 500 schools, participate. We have six classes. Our largest two classes have basically 64 teams in it. The rest of them, the other four classes, classes one and two have the most at at right about 100 in each. And then classes three and four, they have about uh, 80... I want to say 89 off the top of my head. It's a large sport, and that's why we have it for six days. We're going to have in classes one through four, we have a sectional and a quarterfinal level. Yep, so our our district tournaments get started with classes one through four on May 12th. And there's a lot going on that week as far as baseball goes because there's district track going on for small schools on that Saturday. That Saturday is usually a big day for baseball, too. So we've expanded the window. So your district window for classes one through four goes from May 12th to May 20th. We do that because a lot of small schools, especially share athletes with with baseball, or excuse me, baseball with track and baseball with golf. And so that window's widened. Plus you have mother nature that that sometimes uh, affects the schedule. So we give all all the teams in classes one through four a chance to get all their games in over more of like an eight day span versus five and six. Five and six start on May 17th and go through the 22nd. So they have a little bit smaller, but a lot of their athletes aren't shared and and district tracks over for for a lot of those schools leading up to that. Once districts are done, we head into sectionals, classes one through four, May 22nd and 23rd. And then everybody has a quarterfinal round, and that happens for classes one and two, May 24th, for classes three and four, May 25th, and for classes five and six, the 27th of May. Okay. So we qualify out of our quarterfinal. You're going to take four teams to the final site, Mm -hmm. uh, to Ozark. So how do you run? you got 24 teams, and everyone gets two games at the final site. We have one field uh, at our final site. So how do do we do that, Doug? Everybody comes in basically on a two-day rotation. It starts with classes one and two. They start on Monday, which happens to be Memorial Day as well. But we run games, four games a day. So all four semis out of the two classes happen concurrently. Start at 10 and go every three hours. So 10, 1, 4, and 7 are the game times. And that is every single day. We try to keep it simple. Games are spread three hours apart. For the most part, we're able to get the entire game completed and, 
And the good thing about turf, there's not a lot of work up in between. So teams can get on there and start warming up immediately. That's day one. Day two, the same time schedule happens. It's just they're all trophy games. So for instance, if, if class one goes first in the rotation, then on the second day, class one will have the third place game at 10, their championship game at one, followed by the class two third place at four and the championship at seven. Wednesday, Thursday is classes three and four, and Friday, Saturday is classes five and six. And so we'll start the tournament with uh, class one and end it with class six. Okay, on Saturday. On Saturday, yep. We'll wrap things up around well, nine or 10 o'clock Saturday I, I, night. I hope so. My The year before I came in, it, that was at 12.30 a.m. Due, <laughs> due to some long extra inning games. Last year, though, it was wrapped up at a good time, about 9.30. So. Okay. Ozark south of Springfield, where mm-hmm. are our teams stay? Teams stay in Springfield and, and throughout the surrounding area. In softball and baseball, we have a what we call a preferred hotel where our staff stays, and we share that information with the teams. Teams get to choose to, to stay wherever they want. I know one last year even uh, rented a Airbnb house, and it was a eight-bedroom house even south. They, I think they went on down to Branson, but that's where they wanted to stay and, and drove up. So teams can choose to do whatever they'd like, and, and uh, said it's a, it's a nice two-day event for everyone. And officials, we try to bring in officials from all over. Same thing in baseball. And are they just calling two classes, or are they there for, for more than two days? We bring in four officials, so a total of 24 officials, or excuse me, umpires for each class. So four for each class, and, and they do a rotation. So basically there's four games in a class. You have two semis, a third, and a championship. And each of those umpires, there's four positions on the field. They all get to be all those four positions because in postseason at our state-level event, they all set one but then have a a plate first and third. Okay. So if uh, you're there to see your son play baseball, those officials are going to be the same for both games Mm -hmm. uh, with one, maybe one out, one difference, but that same crew has has the whole class. That's right. So they they get rotated around, and and like I said, for the most part, it's worked out very well, been very receptive, and the umpires like it too because they all get a game off somewhere, but they all get to be every position on the field. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Uh Uh-oh. Pardon the pun. (laughs) You've only done this one year. This will be Mm -hmm. your second year. What's the most interesting baseball superstition you have seen at the baseball championships? Well, I'm not sure how interesting it is, but one that I actually did when I played baseball, and that is uh, to still watch everybody, you know many teams hop over the first or third base line running on the field. You don't touch the line. You 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 leap over it, hop over it. I saw one kid. <laughs> it was pretty fun last year. I don't remember which school it was from. He actually took his hat and would throw it over like he he wouldn't wear his hat crossing the line. Don't know what that was about. He'd throw his hat and pick it up, put it back on when he went out to the field. It did it in and out. Never did delay anything, so that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, those are the two that jump out. I'm sure there's probably others, but but you threw me the curveball again. So. Yeah, there you go. We are way too early to figure out which teams are coming. Baseball has played widely in the foreign corners and everywhere between in our state. There's something, and I don't want you to go too deep into this, but there's something in the sport of baseball that – if you have been following baseball for a long time and maybe haven't paid much attention to high school baseball recently and, and maybe even at the college level, can you give us a layman's discussion on the pitch count situation? This is 
fairly new. Mm-hmm. Uh, last several years, there there's a new restriction in in high school baseball, and it's the pitch count. Can you talk sure. to us about it? Sure. So, and again, before I was in the office, uh, pitch counts came into effect, and it was really to help players not not only save their arms but develop you know muscles and and not just have have their elbows shoulders and everything be be thrown out so it's regulated it's it's really a safety precautions all it is you know some could argue well it's so that one pitcher can't you know uh, a team with just one pitcher can can win an entire state championship i can tell you that it was derived more from the safety aspect so it starts in junior high if you have junior high baseball so now sixth seventh and eighth graders as be allowed the most they can pitch in one day is 85 pitches. And there's that for every level. There's, like I said, junior high has 85, freshman, sophomores, 95, and junior, seniors, 105. Uh, and that's the most pitches you can pitch in a day. There, there's also days of rest. So, for instance, if you pitch the maximum number of pitches in a day, you have to rest four days. And that's not I get to throw on the fourth day. It's you rest four days on the fifth day you're eligible to pitch again. There are basically levels. So one to 30 pitches. If you stop at 30 pitches, you don't have to have a day's rest. Okay. 31 to 45, one day of rest. 46 to 60, two days of rest. 61 to 75, three days of rest. And anything that's over 76 pitches is going to be requirement of four days of rest. And that is for all high school Middle school, junior high gets a little bit different just because their max is lower, so everything else is lower as well. But I think it's a great thing. Now, it may be a, a hassle to, to follow, and coaches, uh, you know, it's kind of a pain for them. Now, most of them are, are doing really good, but they have to record <laughs> these after each game, and they actually have 24 hours after the game's concluded to, to get their pitch counts in. But it's there for everyone to see. That way coaches know who's eligible, who's not eligible, our programming has, has been really nice. It will give you a big red X in a box that says this person is not eligible to pitch, and it lets you know when the X disappears on the day. It has a nice chart. It shows you when they're eligible to pitch again. So coaches don't have to really think a lot about it. They just got to enter the pitches thrown. And I, I think it's great. It may be kind of a hassle to chart and follow, but it's for the safety of the kids. And so our two-day championship, mm-hmm. if you start a kid and have them pitch, you know, a, a reasonable number of pitches to complete a game or maybe not quite complete a game, they are ineligible to pitch the next day. Yeah, and that's that's the uniqueness of this sport, I really will say, above any other sports that we offer. And that's the argument amongst a lot of coaches. Where else do you have a sport that could be your best kid or, or just it didn't matter if it's your best. One of your kids, you said you cannot participate at that position today. And that's what the pitch counts, in fact, does. So, you know, I'll, I'll see coaches say, well, I'm, I'm only going to pitch this kid 30. And, I mean, I saw it last year. You know, you see a kid that's just rolling, and all of a sudden <laughs> coach comes out and pulls him. And, uh, you know, I've had many people, what the heck are they doing? Well, they want to be able to throw him tomorrow too. And that, that next day he can, you know, he can pitch again. And so they can never throw more than two consecutive days. So throughout the season you can have somebody pitch 30, 30, 30 and keep going. Once you pitch two days in a row, you can't pitch again. But in our state championships, only two days, there's a lot of coaches that believe I'm going to pitch one person 30 and then we'll see how it's going, you know, whether it continue that person or, or not. It's, it's pretty unique. And before pitch counts, there were always limitations because mm-hmm. the mechanics of an, an overhanded pitch right. 
you cannot, the human body cannot do that over and over and over again and then come back and do it the next day. And so those numbers don't just come out of nowhere. For years, well before pitch counts, high school baseball coaches had to manage their pitchers Mm -hmm. because the body can't can't do it. And if you try to do it, you're going to end up injuring that student athlete. And, and so it formalizes, it kind of sets some what may be arbitrary limits, but those limits have always been there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's nothing new. And I graduated, I hate to say it, but nearly 30 years ago. And there's, you know, there's restrictions there. It's just technology. And then just the background of the mechanics of the arm has gotten a lot better. And so the good thing is you don't see boys in particular in this case, hurt their arms as much anymore and had to have surgeries. There's still Tommy John surgery, still shoulder surgery, but it's, it's becoming less. And and it's attributed, I think, to pitch counts and just technology in general and, and able to track, you know. Right. Anything else you want to add about the ballpark? I mean, this it was built to be a minor league ballpark, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. I forget their name, but there was a there was a minor league team, and and then Drury used it for a number of years. But this field here, they've done many renovations. I'll just say over the past year, even there is a. What's nice about this too, there is a what's called the Mariucci Building. Mariucci is a is a manufacturer of of equipment for baseball. They built a building right down left field line that has, I believe, 12 indoor batting cages in it, plus a little shop. And so we get to use that as well for a pregame. Teams get allotted amount of time in the cages to warm up and hit, and then we get to walk them right on the field. So it doesn't matter what the weather is, they have a place to be. And, and that is a huge advantage um, for U.S. Ballpark. They walk into that field. You know, dugouts are, are down, sunken, low. The field drains incredibly well. I, I can't can't tell you how impressed I am with that. And they have a brand new video board that they just actually finished installing the day before we got there last year. And so we weren't able to use all the technology between the video board, the turf they have, the repairs they've done on that. And it's just a beautiful ballpark and a great place to watch a game. There's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah, it's, it definitely has it has that kind of minor league baseball field. You come in at above of, event yeah. level. It's got Walk that down. concrete concrete concourse level, and you go down to your seats for the most part. Yeah. It's really a great venue, and you know, it's it's got that relaxed baseball atmosphere. Yeah, that's not to say that that moms and dads are relaxed while they're watching, <laughs> but uh, sure they are. It's got the uh, it's got the atmosphere. So we start Memorial Day and roll on through Saturday. So you know, come down for one or more days to watch high school baseball in the state of Missouri. Thank you to Doug Fessler, Assistant Executive Director. I'm Dr. Jennifer Uxted, Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.